Hello and welcome to the Section 109 Podcast from Studio Breezy with Mix, Toby, and Matthew. It's me, Breezy. How you doing? I am conflicted. I am happy on one hand because it is the off-season. The weather is currently beautiful, though it's about to be ugly, uh, in that it's going to be about 10 degrees in a few days, and that's terrifying. And we just got some roster news. We did get a lot of roster news, actually. And let me tell you, I am, on one hand, extremely excited because roster news is the thing that we get excited about. Yep. Um, it's basically how this podcast kind of started. Yes. Like us needing an outlet to talk about all this kind of thing. Yes. And soccer it, soccer podcasting is our soccer therapy, so that's what's also going to be hard about this episode is we now know some guys we got to say goodbye to. Uh, and we'll get to those in a minute. But before that, let's get to some fun news. Matthew, last time we podcasted, and I know it's been a minute, we had no news. And one of the reasons we haven't podcasted, guys, is because we haven't had very much to talk about, to be honest. But now we have three players to talk about that are coming back for CFC. Well, one of them's one of them's brand new. You're right. I'm sorry. Two players who are coming back and one who is brand new. We know three players of the ostensibly 25 that might be on a roster. Yeah. For next year. Yeah. And they are, in order, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus back, 20 goals, seven assists, uh, golden boot, golden ball winner, like best player in Nisa last best year. Best player in Nisa. Like it's just Thank God he's back because I was starting to get worried there because uh, I had, you know, the longer it goes with no announcement, the more you go, are we, like, what's going on? Can, are we having trouble here? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but he's back, baby. Yeah. That's, that's just a, it's just a big piece of news. Uh, obviously he had a, he had an incredible season and, and signed late, you know, was not, we didn't renew his option um, at the end of the 2021 season. Oh, last year. I thought you were and, this year. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We didn't renew his option at the end of the 2021 season. So, And then he came into camp, and he signed late into camp, and then he didn't play the first few weeks, and then he absolutely caught fire and was the best player in Nisa. So shouts to him. Um, so, so, so fucking happy. That is like, it's not offseason done, but it's like piece one of the offseason is yeah, when, you get, your, when yeah. you get your goal scorer back. And there's a lot of pieces. It, it is 11 guys on the field at one time, but the guy who's going to score or be expected to score a big chunk of the goals, pretty good to have them back. And and there, there really, honestly, there wasn't a better forward in, in, in the league last year. So Absolutely. Hats off. Hats off to Marcus and, and welcome back. Speaking of guys who scored a bunch of goals, the second leading scorer for Chattanooga Football Club, Taylor Gray. Yeah, man. Like, Taylor Gray had an incredible season. And, uh, and it, it's kind of crazy to think about, like, you know, he was not, uh, he was not highly heralded coming in. I don't know if he was highly recruited coming in. Uh, I don't, I don't know what kind of competition there was for his signature in, in the off season last year, but I do know that Maryland Bobcats cut him. I do know that they're fucking stupid. And, uh, and, and, and I mean, Taylor had eight goals. A couple assists, like he really, he really, really came on. And from game one, it was apparent that this guy could play. And and I think you saw pieces of that mostly against us uh, in in twenty twenty one when he was playing for Bobcats. Man, he had a he had a great breakout season, and um, and I I think he's become a fan favorite. Since coming to Chattanooga. 100%. The pop when he enters CBC is as big as anybody. Yeah. The only person that consistently gets a bigger pop is one. So, I mean, it's it's fantastic. And I, I love having him back. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be, it'd be fun to see where he can go. Because I think he's got more, I think he's got more room to grow. Agreed. And, yeah, yeah. can't wait. Big, big second season for, or 
we'll call it his second season. I know he, he had like a half a season, but it's either second season, third season, however you want to look at it. It's time for him to take a step forward, hopefully, and help Marcus lead that line. And hopefully those two guys, and I think that we will be expecting them to be kind of the anchors of our offense. Uh, then, newcomer, Joseph Perez. Matthew, tell me about Joseph. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, Joseph Perez grew up in Southern California. He went pro in Mexico uh, after high school. Uh, and and I don't know how, exactly how long he was there, maybe a, maybe a year or two, something like that. Uh, he comes back to the U.S. with Las Vegas Lights uh, in the USL Championship. Plays a little bit there, not a ton. Uh, ends up at uh, 1904 at the original like first round of NISA before CFC had even joined. Uh, by 2021, he was with LA Force. Uh, played as the kind of left wing back in their back three system. And then moved on to Cal United Strikers in 2022. Uh, he didn't play a ton for Cal United, uh, although I think that's more a Cal United problem than it is a, a Joseph Perez problem. And I like this signing for for a couple reasons. Um, he's going to be able to, to play the way Rod wants to play, right? Like he's going to be able to, to pass the ball. He's going to be able to, to interchange posi- positions. And I also like it because I think if, if you look at the whole of 2022, one of the places that I, I think we could have clearly had a little bit better play in was left back. And, and I think the coaching staff saw that and went out and found an out of contract left back that can make this team better. And someone that, you know, because he didn't play a ton for Cal United this year, for whatever reason, was more available and maybe more under the radar than a lot of others. And that's, that's the kind of signing that as in NISA, it is, it is sometimes tough to compete for players. And so finding players within the league that even other teams in the league may not necessarily be super, aware of at the time or forgotten about see Taylor Gray who we just spoke about see Taylor Gray I think I think it's a really good signing uh, I can't wait to have him in in town in, in just a few weeks in fact it is just a few weeks it's like five weeks away speaking of just a few weeks yeah. away Matthew the other piece of news we haven't yet talked about we're playing Atlanta United holy hell yeah there's gonna be some legends at Finley Stadium and also Atlanta United <laughs> They're yeah. coming back to their to their roots to the first game they ever played in the preseason of 2017. Uh, coming up here to play their first team, their men's first team, um, is playing our men's first team. I realize they don't have a women's team yet, but it is not their reserve team. Yeah, it's it's it the, is their it's it is the, the big real, boys. It is the real five stripes that and look, don't wear five stripes anymore. Look, we don't know what that game's going to look like, right? Um, in the sense that is it going to be two 45 minute games? Is it going to be a full 90? Is it going to be th- Three forty-minute game. We just don't know because they can do some different stuff in preseason to try to get the ways to get the most groups involved, and they may just play regular regulation minutes and whatever else. I don't care. I'm so excited, and here's why I'm excited. Um, as we get super nerdy about contracts and such, here is my thoughts on the Atlanta United game. And I was uh, I was actually talking to Jed Henderson last night, who was at the soccer fields refing a game with us. Nice. And Matt's looking at me because we haven't we hadn't said that to him. Um, and so Jed and I were talking about the Atlanta United game, and this is what I told him, and and. It, I think this is correct. Uh, I've not been told this by, unfortunately, by anybody smarter than me, so I don't know if it's actually right or if I'm an idiot, but... It's never stopped you before. It's never stopped me before. That's damn damn right. That's why I have a podcast. Um, Excuse me. Uh, I drank 
I should not have drank eggnog before this. It is got my sinuses <laughs> just flying. Um, but you know, I regret nothing. Eggnog is it's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, Atlanta United is coming up here and playing us before most USL Championship teams start their camps. Yeah, many many times, and, and USL League One and MLS Next Pro for the most part as well. Um, but what really matters is USL Championship, the league that is a clear step up in the totem pole above NISA between us and MLS. And let's be real, we're not competing for MLS guys. We are competing for USL Championship guys, though. And that clear step up is USL Championship. Right. So if when they start their camp, a lot of fringe USL Championship guys who could be key players for us, starters for us, or just like rotational players for us, depending on who they are, those guys are in high demand by us and the rest of the third division where there are three leagues, MLS Next Pro, NISA, and USL League One. Those players go into USL Championship camps, and then they get cut from those USL Championship camps eventually, and then they filter down to the other leagues, including us. So there's a couple things that I hope happens out of this Atlanta United game. Number one, we start that Atlanta United game, and therefore at least a portion of our preseason before those USL Championship teams have a chance to get those players into camp. So we're not talking about players who are under contract for USL Championship teams. Uh, we are talking about players who might have a camp invite to one of those camps who are going in to try to make it from the camps. Yeah. So a couple of things can happen, in my opinion. Number one, they we can get them into our camp before they go. This is the simplest explanation. Before they go to a USL Championship class. If you're not from here, if you've never been here... <clears throat> Excuse me again. Um, and you've never been to Chattanooga. Maybe you don't know what a great setup Finley Stadium is. What it's like to play in front of the Chattano Chattahooligans and the Nuga section. What it's like to be in a cool town if you like that is Chattanooga if you've never been here. Yeah. So you get to come here. You get to see what it's about. That's the simplest thing is they show up here before going to a USL Championship Club. They play. They they play. They practice they see everything they're like oh shit this is this is pretty dope they go into usl championship camp they end up getting cut because again a lot of players go and we started this camp last year our preseason with like 40 players or something crazy yeah right so they do the same thing a lot of them and they get cut and we're the first fallback it potentially because now they've had an experience here and how do you get someone into camp well it's a no it's a no risk thing that's my that's my thought first the other thing is maybe they come here they get the atlanta united opportunity and they, they fall in love and they go this place is awesome Fuck it. Like I'll take the I'll take this contract. Like assuming they're getting offered a contract, right? Like yeah. they they start the before even going into a um a USL championship. Now imagine they were also potentially going into a USL League One camp, same type of uh, thing, or an MLS Next Pro camp. Those potentially they might look at those and go, well, shit. Like I wasn't thinking about Nisa. I wasn't thinking about Chattanooga that well that much. Excuse me, but man, this is a dope setup. This was fun. This was legit. I got in front of. MLS eyes, like, yeah, I could do this for a year. The other thing is you might have guys that come here that wouldn't have come here to check it out. And that involves for all of this. They wouldn't have come here. They get a chance to get some good tape against Atlanta if they play. And then Chattanooga becomes a possible destination for them in however that works, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. This is just such, I think, an amazing recruiting tool for Coach Rod and the and the whole front office, I hope. And I hope that what it does is it gets more guys a chance to experience what Chattanooga is a, and more guys a chance to become, you know, local legends. Yeah, I, I think that sums up all my all my thoughts on it. Good. Uh, it's just a, it's it's a really cool opportunity no matter no matter what. And, and we're not even, I'm not even getting the part where it's going to be dope to see fans play where I mean, potentially Chago Almeida is going to be here like the World Cup winning player for Argentina, like Atlanta United's always got big stars and and fun players. Like we played them for real last year in the Open Cup down there. Now they get to come up here. And, and we've also we've also played 
Uh, we played them in preseason like what two years ago as well. Mm-hmm. So, but being the nerd that I am, the soccer nerd that I am, I can't help but think about the player recruiting piece first and the fan experience. Of course, second. yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, I will be there with bells on. I'll note. On I'll note uh, as the last point about also this. January twenty eighth, dude. It's so early. It's the it's the earliest. It's the earliest uh, game uh, in CFC history on the calendar. Let's fucking go. I love it. Um, good job, whoever was involved in getting that together. All right. We have a listener question, and then we're going to get into the the meat of this episode. So this listener question comes from Lee Sabo. I hope it's I hope that's pronounced right, Lee. If it's not, I apologize. Um, I'm not deep into the contract stuff for the club, he says, but was wondering if players ever sign for more than a year at a time. Matthew? So the, the short answer is yes, that does happen. Um, the long answer is it's complicated. Uh, traditionally, and this goes back... Let's say this goes back roughly 10 years. Uh, traditionally, information, scouting resources, data has not been that accessible in the lower divisions. So you would often get teams uh, only willing to invest a one-year contract in a player because they would want to see, like, truly see that player uh, and, and know what they're like, know what, they're, what they are you know, week in, week out, and even practice in, practice out. Uh, before committing any sort of more resources to them. And this has kind of manifested itself over the years in more of a one-on-one. So a one-year contract with a one-year club option where the club can activate uh, whatever, like, and, and sometimes that, that might have an increased price or whatever that's all negotiated, but where the club has a unilateral option and the player does not, usually. And the, and the player does not. And, and you remember in usually in baseball... And a little bit in football, but mostly in baseball, you did you see club options and you all, which are very very common. And you also see some player options, and then yep. you see some mutual options where either one can decline or either one can pick it up, and then if the other one doesn't decline, it's fine. In soccer, in the lower divisions, unfortunately, and by the way, all over the world as well, club options are the only thing uh, in U.S. soccer that are a thing, and yes. option years in general all over the world are not really common. Uh, in fact, FIFA, there was some FIFA loss stuff a few years ago where Kyle Laren tried to leave Orlando um, because of us basically saying like there, it's a mutual option, and if, if I'm remembering correctly, and the club being like, "Nope, it's a club option." Yeah, FIFA doesn't really truly recognize options, but they also don't mess with the U.S. Yeah, because of U.S. contract law and labor law, and and us arresting all their famous executives whenever they reach the U.S. shores. Yeah, yeah. So, so wait, what we're seeing now is. Uh, and this is mostly in, oh, and, and also like the other reason you don't see a lot of teams putting players on multiple year contracts is, is frankly, because like there's almost no reason to, because, say, it's because, a competition like, thing. They like, don't have to MLS is very hesitant to buy players from the lower divisions. Unfortunately. And, and that seems to be changing just a little bit, right? Not just MLS, just, but just a little bit. But like bit. there's a little bit, there's a little ray of sunshine. And Chris Bermudez, for example, is yeah. an op, as a guy there who's bought from a League One team to a USL Championship team. Right. There have been some USL Championship like sales abroad. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not saying like it's fully open, but we're seeing little cracks of light. But yeah. until there, and the reason a three year deal is much more advantageous to a club is you control that player's rights. So if somebody else wants to sign them, they have to pay you. They have to pay you, and you sell the player's rights, and then they agree, have to also agree to a new contract with the new club 
in that in that process. That's not a that doesn't matter as much to a club. The incentives for the club to hold a longer contract, which holds more risk if that player becomes worse or that player suffers an injury. I mean, just being honest, or whatever or, happens. Or like the old, there's an old saying in especially in soccer, you can fire the players or you can fire the coach, but you rarely can do both. Um, and when you put players on long-term contracts, you have to fire the coach. You have to fire the coach because you, it just, it's just hard to get rid of players. Uh, and and, you and that's how that, it happens all over the world. Look and, in the Premier and, and League in yeah, Italy and if Spain. You follow, if you follow high-level European soccer, and even to a degree MLS, although MLS has some, has some, character, some mechanisms that allow you to move players on, uh, it, it's really hard to move on players, especially players that you want to upgrade on but they've got multiple years in their contract. Now, I have seen our frenemies up north this year have announced several multiple year deals. Yeah, so what so Detroit's doing this now and a, and and bunch of other USL Championship clubs are starting to do this. And this is a new phenomenon for for Lee and anybody else interested in this. This is not one and ones were just the thing or just sometimes just one year deal, right? Either a guy bets on themselves and takes a one year deal without an option at presumably lower money. Um, with no extra option year, and they take that's how they end up having to agree to lower money, but they bet on themselves. And several guys on our roster this year we know bet on themselves who told us, like, no, nah, I'm on a one-year deal you with, know, with, I, no with, with no option, and I took a little less money, but I want to control my own destiny, Yeah, which is totally fair. The other thing is a little bit more stability because the club may pick up your option, and you and they'll give you more money in order to have that option in both years to yeah, pick and, up your and, option. And, and that's those are the, oh, pretty much the only two, like, like the others exist. Like there are there guys on two ones. Of course there are, but there's not many. It's mostly one and ones or just one year deals, and that's how that's how CFC's contracts have mostly been as well for yeah, the most part. There there are a couple exceptions. But, we know that Damian Rodriguez went on a two year deal with a one year club option when he signed his first professional contract last year. Yeah, and that and that included some compensation for school, correct? Uh, like, as if it were a college scholarship type of thing. And Richard Dixon was on a similar thing. So, but let's let's go back to not not for not for Richard Dixon to go to school. Richard Dixon was on a <laughs> a longer, a slightly longer than a one-year deal. He was on like a, a basically like a revolving two-year deal. There there was keeps, something keeps, I, I don't He's really still know. he's still signed and continues to be signed is all is what I know on that. It's not the traditional one and one. Uh, but going back to the, the Detroit thing, we are, we are starting to see in the championship a lot more uh, two-year deals. Uh, Detroit's doing a, this a bunch. They've got several players now uh, that they had. Did at, they announce a three-year deal? Uh, it, it was it's a two plus one. Oh, interesting. So so they've got they signed a lot of players, uh, especially players moving up with them from Nisa to the championship to one and one deals. They went through at the end of the season and. Uh, essentially negotiated new contracts with those players before the option the option pickup deadline to then reset those to two-year deals with one-year club options in the future. Yeah, so adding taking we are, buying we are out seeing, the club buying out the club option probably, right? Like cuz they would be on no, their option they're, they're, year. they're just making them re- renegotiate fully. No, that's what I mean. Like by, by buying I don't mean the physical buying it out for ten thousand dollars. I mean like buying like changing the contract yes. so the option year is it, no longer. It, it's just a it's just a new contract and then that, another that invalidates the old contract. And then a fall another year for the second year, and then which is different. It's a two which two year deals are not common. Yeah. And then it, a, another option year. Just locking in more guys long term. And it's very interesting to see that starting to happen. It's it's very interesting. I think that I think the prevalence of, of, of better data in lower division soccer in this country is helping teams make feel comfortable about making longer term commitments to players. And uh and and I also I also am not surprised uh because you can spread out 
you can spread out the money over, over a longer term uh, because you're because you're getting them that stability. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about, and we're jumping around a little bit. The other thing I wanted to mention about the the one year deal plus a, with with a one year option, the the option that the club can exercise and has unilateral control to exercise, is supposed to be. This does not always work out this way, but it's kind of supposed to be, uh, essentially, what the player would get if you want to bring them back, uh, kind of their value on the open market. So oftentimes the one and one is whatever whatever they agree to. Like their current value and current value is whatever on, they get on the first year. Yeah, it's just whatever they get. Like that's that's how the market value and works. The, and these contracts almost always in lower division soccer. I think we've said this before, but if, if it bears repeating, they almost always include full housing and utilities, and then sometimes health insurance. Though unfortunately, not as often as we would like to see in lower division soccer. And then it includes cash on top of that to do your living expenses, which is how it becomes a livable wage because there, it's not a ton of money, but you have your biggest expense taken care of in your apartment. And it's it is a young single man's game, as we've said on this podcast yeah. before, because this is really tough. If you've got a kid and and a wife or or a kid and a partner, like you're gonna struggle to have the kind of because that that getting that house, getting that apartment that you may share with one other player or potentially two, usually it's one other player, like that is not conducive to living with a family. It yeah. is great if you are a single man and you get a downtown apartment and you can just, you know, do all the fun stuff. I read, um, I read an article and I, I forget where it is. I forget the title of it. I forget a lot of things about it. But I remember reading an article that was focusing on USL Championship players, uh, but it was about actually about their partners, and it was talking about kind of the sacrifices that their partners have spent over the, over several years of like maybe moving from club to club every two years or so, and and like that partner usually has to like get another job in a new city. Because they're the primary breadwinner, even for the family, even though that the player is is the one why the family is moving. Because the player is pursuing the dream. Yeah, and and I, I just thought I just thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a, a giant overview of. Oh, that's way more than he, than, than Lee <laughs> asked for. But we are we are nothing if yeah. not extremely yeah. nerdy. So so if 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 you Lee or anyone else has any more questions about this, we can try to answer. We're not experts, uh, although we are we are far more nerdy than than most when it comes to contract stuff. Um, and, and and speaking of contract stuff, uh, we are recording. Uh, normally, we don't we try not to date ourselves, but we we are recording on Wednesday, less than one hour after the drop. It is fifty eight minutes now after the drop yeah. of the first large scale roster updates. We got Marcus, we got Taylor, we got Joseph Perez this morning. And now we have the drop for everybody, and so we thought, let's get it out. So a couple things before we start this. Number one, we're going to go through all the guys that we're officially saying goodbye to. Um, and this is not an exhaustive list. There are still players that have not been announced that are either signed or potentially renegotiating or whatever, and we don't know anything. And it is likely, since they've been announced, they've announced three over the last two days, three days, plus all of these, that you will know more than we know by the time you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, they will probably, I would imagine, announce another one or two tomorrow. Um, and it will probably continue to go from there. And so, the, I mean, at some point, we're going to get Damien. 
I would, yes, because we know he's still signed. Um, because, because of the multi-year deal that we and, announced. And our, our understanding is, you know, spoiler alert, Richard's also still signed. So, like, those are the only two players we've known that were under contract before now. And assuming that nothing has changed, we'll get those two guys announced, I would think, pretty quick. But my point being is, like, there's a lot of players that aren't in that list of guys and the guys we've already announced and this that we don't know about. And instead of us speculating on whether we think they're coming back or we think we're going to miss them or not or whatever else. We'll talk about them in a future episode as we find out more stuff, but it would be kind of disrespectful to your ears and your time as the listener for us to uh, speculate when you're probably going to find out in the next couple of days. And when I say you, we don't know either, but like you guys are going to find out, but as you're listening to this, you're probably like, you dummies, so-and-so is already, you know, back or not back or whatever yeah. else. So uh, we're going to skip out on those. We're going to talk about just the guys we know have, uh, have been announced as saying goodbye. Yeah. And by the way, I had to take the montage uh, off the screen. <laughs> yeah, that was Darrell, rough. you fucked me here because it was too nice and too beautiful. And he did a, an excellent job. Uh, and I'm sure the whole team was involved. But it was an excellent job and really, really good. And I started getting really sad. And I had to exit out of my, um, of my browser because it was just making me emotional. And now I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to get emotional going through this. So, Matthew. What I want to do, I think there are 11 players that we're saying goodbye to now uh, in, in, in the list released today. And what I want to do is let's tell some let's tell some happy stories about each player. Uh, some of these guys, four of these guys, uh, were were here for multiple years. Um, I think uh, Reddington and Spielman were here for three years, and then Brett Jones and, and Tate Robertson were here for two. Uh, so let's start with them, and then we'll move to the uh, the guys that are that were just here for the 2022 season. Absolutely. So I, I listed these in order that they were announced because I copied them from the press release. So starting with that, Brett Jones, um, I'll give you my, uh, I'll give you my first thing that pops to my head. Um, and it, it is, it's one of the things you wrote down here, but actually I'll skip that and say the first thing I wrote down on this. So I don't steal your, your first one since you got to that one first, uh, his two goals against Michigan star was away. I know that's very recent, but it was, we hadn't scored against Michigan all year. Rod hadn't Rod, a Rod Underwood coach team hadn't scored in you know like six games or whatever it was, and then he went out and got a brace, including a great win, a great one to seal the win, and it could have had a third uh, right before he got his second goal. Um, and yeah, it was just like it was really like that that thing that when Brett was rocking and rolling, Brett was fucking rocking and rolling. Yeah, uh, you have uh, something written here about his Legends Cup. Yeah, so I actually want to go back a little bit further than that. Uh, the first time I ever heard of Brett Jones was the fall of 2019. It was either November or December. And um, and I think Coach Fuller called me from, from California. He was out on a scouting, a scouting trip, getting, getting ready for our debut pro season in 2020. And he, uh, he called me. He was like, hey, I, I, found, you know, I found a few players. Uh, you know, can you do a, just a little bit of research for me, put together, uh, you know, like just games played, you know, goals, assists, some things like that. Uh, anything, anything notable you see. And this was not a terribly uncommon thing for, for me and, and coach Fuller. Uh, and so I, I put together some stuff for him. Um, I grabbed, I grabbed some highlights that he had out there uh, so that he could look at. And then obviously full for watched him live uh, while in California. And, I remember hearing his name every now, every couple of months uh, after that, you know, just checking in on him, uh, checking in on, you know, on his college coach. Uh, Brett goes to, uh, Brett, Brett transfers to Oregon State, 
uh, for the for the I mean the 2020 season was canceled essentially in, in in the fall for college soccer. So Brett transfers to Oregon State at the beginning of 2021 to do uh, his last I think his senior season in college with Oregon State, which was being played in the spring of 2021. And he didn't get a lot of playing time in the first few games. I don't think was 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 you know super happy about being in Oregon and wanted to turn pro. And we had had this relationship with him for for a long time, and he come he comes to Chattanooga. He turns pro, um, and right away, uh, I I forget if he played in the LA Force game uh, or or not. I just don't remember. But he subs in you know fairly late as in in the New Amsterdam game, which he did a lot. Which, yeah, especially in that first year, and. Uh, and you know, I mean, I, I've talked to you know to Breezy and, and, and to Smitty about him before, uh, and, I, and I was pretty excited for for him actually, you know, joining up with us and being there. And man, that breakaway he scored with the assist from Cam Woodfin with uh, with Cam's head, shout out Cam, uh, was just so fucking fun. And I was just like, yes, let's go, Brett Jones, man. Yeah, I'm gonna miss him. I love seeing him. Uh, love seeing his family. His family came to Chattanooga a couple times. They also travel uh, anytime we were out on the West Coast. They were almost always there. No, they were always there. They were always there on the, the West ones Coast. that you and I went to. Yeah, yeah. All those Cal I mean, United trips. It helps that he li- he grew up like ten minutes away from Cal United. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Uh, gonna miss him. A uh, uh, couple couple more things from me. Um, the run when we were really clear, we've talked about when we were really clicking midseason. Uh, yeah. where we were just c- scoring for fun. He was an integral part of that. When he switched to the right wing and he was just blasting it line to line. Um, that is a, a, a bunch of like unlucky to score to not score a lot more goals. Yeah, uh, during that stretch. But man, he like he had a bunch of assists, a bunch of hockey assists. Um, yeah, what a player. I agree. What a guy. I agree. Uh, I will also mention Cali Swag. Uh, that man has some serious swag. And uh, I, d- I don't know who won the best dress. Did he win best dressed in the end on the CFC poll? I legitimately don't But remember. if he didn't win, um, that that vote was rigged. And uh, also, he had absolute dime pieces at every game he was at in California. I don't know how many girls that boy knows, but uh, my goodness. My goodness. Um, Alec Reddington. So, Alec has really transitioned from a young and inconsistent first year pro into a like professional shot stopper. Yeah. Um, he's a full-time pro goalie. He has be- the better part of two years of starting goalie in Nisa before this year. Um, he was good in his starts this year and it's been really fun to see the youngest player on the team at the time when he was first signed. Yeah. Um, like mature and grow and just, yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him on the field absolutely. Um, specifically, like this year against Syracuse when he was an absolute monster and he had like two one on one saves. Yeah, and he had the one where he saved it while diving and then jumped up and caught it in the air all in one motion. Um, think about I, think about the fall of 2021, uh, where where he just and we uh, we talked about this last year on on this kind of uh, roster wrap up tell stories pod. <laughs> Man, the one-on-one saves he would make last year against uh, New Amsterdam in particular. Yeah, but I, the six-game run to end the season, uh, he was we he was lose incredible. five of those six if Alec isn't playing out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna, but what I'm gonna miss most, and there's a lot of guys like this, but I'm gonna miss seeing him after the game at the bar, giving him a big hug. Um, you know him, him when, being like, when, hey, lose have you draw. seen my, have you seen my girlfriend? Uh, like looking around, <laughs> like, um, oh, and like. Yeah, or him like coming out and being like, 
Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> How you guys doing? Like, he's just like, I'm just going to miss him so much, man. Alec Reddington was a, is and was a great dude. He was a wonderful member of this community. Um, and every one of these guys is once a blue, always a blue. But um, Alec is, is a guy I will miss in particular off the field. Tate Robertson. So, Matthew, there's a story on this podcast that we have never told. <laughs> uh, a story that... Uh, we have been waiting to tell. Well, I, actually, let's tell let's, let's tell the first story, which is uh, CFC at Stumptown 2019. So I think we've told parts of that story, which is that we went to Stumptown, and we were like, Matthew and I drove to Stumptown, and more people than that. It was a bunch of people. It was a CFC uh, friendly against Stumptown. Um, game finished 2-2. Mm-hmm. Um, Felipe scored two goals, and I think we let in two soft ones. I don't remember. It was a it was a penalty and a and a very bad bit of defending in about a sixty second stretch. Okay, so yeah, I just remember being fr- a little bit frustrated. But there was a there was a family at midfield, all of whom had Tate Robertson jerseys on. <laughs> yeah, and Tate was wearing the number seven, and he was playing right back or the he was 10. Playing, he was playing right back. Uh, I swear he played the ten, and I know we've argued about this before, but I think he played both one half and one, and one half and the other. I know you're shaking your head at me, but that's my hat's my memory and my was, and my reality. It was the six, um, but yeah. But continue. he was he was fun, and I he was one of the players I noticed in that game, and I was like, damn, this player's pretty good. That's my that's my first Tate. Uh, yeah, so Tate, so Tate played right back in that game uh, in the return game uh, at Finley Stadium. He played uh, as the six, as the defensive midfielder. Um, so yeah, that's that's the first part of the story. Second part of the story is, uh, and I, and I don't mind telling this part now uh, uh, because now that statute I, of limitations is passed. Yeah, now that I've now that I've prefaced it by saying you know Coach Fuller and I would would, would talk about players and and. And do some like off-season scouting and and, and things like that. Um, we didn't. I mean, I, I did a little bit of it. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Um, but at, in, in the off-season, uh, I would ask at a certain point in time, like, "Hey, like, what positions are we are, are you looking to fill uh, with what types of players?" And so we would build essentially like positional archetypes for 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 various things. And um, so at one point in time, I was looking for. Uh, I think for midfielders and 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 uh, outside backs, and they're the same thing for me. So we're just looking for the same thing. Uh, and I actually sent Coach Fuller uh, Tate Robertson's video based on that remembering about the Stumptown game, because uh, you know just you're looking for players, and he's out of contract, and Stumptown went away uh, when COVID happened, um, and they did not come back in. Uh, in the 2020, for like for the regular season in the bubble and, and that whole thing. Um, and we needed a player uh, like him. And yeah, Tate, if you're listening, I. Uh, well, you sent you sent the video in. Yeah. And obviously the coaching staff had to do the rest. Like they did their own research. They, and they, they went and saw him at a combine. They went and, and saw him at a combine. And, and they liked him too. And, and everything and everything like went on from there. And by the way, there's a world in which they would have seen him at that combine anyway. Correct. However, it's a Matthew, better story. Matthew did send them the tape and say like, I think you should look at this guy. And Fuller used to say like, Matthew, Matthew's the guy who first showed me Tate Robertson. And look, now he's here. And Matt felt very, has felt very proud of that, but also was reluctant to share that on the podcast. Uh, because yeah. it, it's a bit of a weird story. But the, the statute of limitations is now passed, so I, I feel comfortable sharing Tate, it. Tate, Tate's gone and Fuller's gone. We'll miss you, Tate. Um, uh, I, I do, I'm, not done, I, I'm not done with Tate yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I wanted to, to also mention, like, uh, seeing his dad, Mark, at so many home games uh, for a guy that lives, like, seven hours away. Dog, I think he lives here and he's just been lying to us all the time. 
And you'd see him have a bunch of road games too. Uh, getting, getting absolutely obliterated with Mark Tate's uncle at you and me at, at Detroit. Yeah. Um, oh man. God, it was fun. Yeah. That I was I, real fun. I will miss, he's another guy I will miss off the field. Every time you saw Tate after a game, in, in my experience, he was never happy about his performance, no matter how good it was, no matter if we won or lost. And that, and that was, by the way, usually after getting a man of the match award. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he would just be like moping about and I'd be like, Hey, hey man, you know, good playing out there. He's like, oh, I should have done X, Y, or Z better. <laughs> and uh, I, I fucking love that, man. I love him. Like, I miss seeing him in bang. I'll miss seeing him in Bengals jerseys. All the time. I'd be like, Hey, Tate, what are you doing this week? Well, we're off till Monday, so I'm uh, I'm going, going to Bengals going game. To the Bengals game. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I'll, I'll miss him off the field a ton. Um, and uh, and that's going to be a, a theme with a lot of these. I, I felt really, really like fortunate to get to know a lot of these guys. You know, yeah. one of the things that makes CFC so special to me is that. The, the walls between player and fan are not there. So you can meet the guys. You can They can be members of the community. You can be members of their community. You can be friends with them. Yeah. And, man, uh, I'm going to miss I'm gonna miss Tate a lot. Yeah. Best of luck, buddy. And I'm also going to miss his smoothness on the field, that little jump turn thing that he does that I can't ever explain to anybody, but it's like the most Tate thing ever. I just I just remembered now that I need to text his dad and... Uh, Humble brag. Yeah. And and, and, and wish, him, wish him well yeah, officially you, now. You, we should for sure do that. You should for sure do that, and, and give him give him some love from from me as well. Yeah. Well um, Nick Spunky Speed Racer Spielman. Oh man, where do we even start with this one? <laughs> all right. So first of all, uh, the very first time I saw Nick Spielman. Oh God, you're going to tell this story? He had driven in from uh, somewhere in fucking South Carolina or some shit, where he was playing in the PDL. And oh, North Carolina. I remember this now. Okay, same shit. Yeah. Uh, just because North Carolina and South Carolina are the same thing. Come at me, bros. Um, he was dry. He had driven in. He had played 90 minutes in Greensboro, North Carolina. In Greensboro, there you go. The night on Saturday night. And he came in and played at Municipal on a Sunday when we played that friendly. And he played essentially 90 minutes with he us. He played 90 minutes with us. And or almost. Oh, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was almost. It was like 80 I think he stepped so. out towards the end. And the first crazy thing was he played 90 minutes, drove all night, and then played 90 minutes. I found that out. <laughs> Second of all, he was about 50 pounds heavier than when I next saw him. <laughs> Maybe 65 pounds heavier than when I next saw him. And which, which, by the okay, it wasn't that much. He didn't drop that much weight before bro, before camp 2020. I think he did. Um, <laughs> what I can tell you is when I saw him, like he was a big boy and like moved well, good feet, whatever, just fine, like good player. But scored a it, scored a goal in preseason to confirming him. Yeah, Nick's a Nick. Nick's a, a great target ten, um, <laughs> but I, I saw him in there. And then, like the next season, they brought him in into camp. And then we had all the COVID stuff. And, no, I'm sorry, that was pre-COVID stuff. Excuse me. We had all of the different stuff with uh, guys' visas getting declined and all this yeah. stuff. So he became he went from practice player to actual full time signee. Um, and he's been a stalwart. He's the minutes leader from that time until now. Oh, I'm sorry, not until now. Until this season, he played. At one point in every single game of the 2020 and 2021 seasons, I'm gonna I'm gonna bastardize a little bit of his words and, and add some of mine, but it's the the gist of this is right. He would have played every single minute of every game until Fuller fucked it up in San Diego. Those are his words, uh, because you know Nick wants to play every game, and uh, Fuller like sat him for a half or whatever in in, in San Diego or some shit. It was, uh, I, I think it was actually one of the uh, one I, of the friendlies or something I like think that. It was, oh uh, yeah, that one didn't count. It was all Nisa minutes, but at no at San Diego, I think he sat like the first. Something. I don't remember what. All I remember is him being him joking about how Fuller fucked it up by sitting him in whatever <laughs> game that was. Um, 
And man, like, oh no, it was Detroit. It was Detroit away because we were saving his legs for the. Uh, was that is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, we were saving his legs for the uh, for the semifinal. Yeah, and he just he just, that was it. That's dead direct quote. Fuller <laughs> fucked it up by uh, <laughs> fucked up his his uh, his record of of playing all the minutes or whatever, which I thought was just wonderful for Nick. I will miss Nick's uh, grumpy Eeyore, lovely like endearing like never quite happy but also if he was happy with himself he'd just be kind of quiet and uh and smiley because yeah. he'd like had a good game yeah but also like never um never particularly out loud about it and then like he would also be kind of pouty yeah. if he didn't if we didn't win like he didn't that guy did not care if he had a good game if we didn't win he boy was, was he, he was grumpy yeah. um and not 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 like openly like hostile, but just like you could just eeyore pouty because we lost. And and I, I'm not saying all guys need to treat losses that way. That's not what I'm saying. But I, you do notice when certain guys take it real hard. And I always appreciated um, that Nick kind of wore his heart on his sleeve in that way. Nisa best eleven in 2021. Um, I'm actually gonna gonna tell a story that that is gonna be fun about about Nick. Um, in 2020, uh. It was the first regular season game, so like first true competition, uh, and, and like ninety minute spell that we saw him against against other pro competition, and I remember we did not play well in that Michigan in that Michigan Stars away game in twenty twenty, and uh, Breezy, your dumbass, watched that game and said, "This guy is not good enough. Like we do not need to be playing him." I forgot about that. Yeah. By the way, my dumbass was on that train for another like. I don't know, 10 weeks or that's, some stupid that's shit. That's the story I want to tell. Okay. This man, literally the next week, was one of the best players on the field, got an assist at Detroit City, and it took you a surprising amount of time to come around to be like, oh, this guy's actually good. So what I what I can say what I, is that when I did come around privately, right, and I never publicly, like, shit on Nick Spielman. We never, we never um, do that. And, but I, I, I privately was like, the fuck, man, why can't this guy, like, he can't believe he made the big mistake. I just, I was blinded by, he, he was not good against Michigan Stars, and I will not listen to anyone who says, like, it wasn't his fault. Like, he, he and others were bad against Michigan Stars, and we shouldn't have lost that game, and I, I'm, I remain upset about that. But, he was excellent after that, and it took me a while to see it because I had my blinders on because of uh, of previous mistakes. And by the way, when I came around, I did say, like, Smitty, listen to me. Matthew, listen to me. Jay, everybody, my bad. <laughs> Do you remember? Like, I was like, yeah. I, I was like, I, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. Guys, I was wrong. And I was. I was wrong. And he he was our best player for the better part of two years um, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, not not shitting anybody else, but he was just excellent. Excellent. There's a reason he played all those minutes. Um, so and look, and I don't know what happened this year, and I, it's neither here nor there, right? He didn't play a lot of minutes this year, but I believe that Nick's next step should be into the USL Championship. I believe he can compete at that level. Um, I thought he might last offseason before we renewed him get a shot at the USL Championship, and I'm hopeful um, that he can get a shot because I think he's got the tools to do it. I think he's a very good player, and I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, because and I will miss him, but also he is one of the few players who I'm happy for that's moving on. And the reason I think that is, I believe he will hit higher higher heights, at least professionally, than playing here. Yeah, um, I think he should be able to make it into the USL Championship and be a key contributor on some good teams. Um, and that makes me really happy for his future. Uh, and I, I'm really hopeful that's what happens. Yeah, there there are guys. Uh, I mean, I, I think about like how well he played it in the Memphis Open Cup game, right? Uh, there there are guys that I won't be shocked to hear an announcements. About. How well he like, played against in the in the Louisville. Uh, oh yeah, my God, Louisville loved him after that game. 
uh, th- there are guys that I, I won't be shocked to, to hear a signing announcement for in, in early January or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Nick Spielman's takes a while because I think he might, and I don't know this and I've not talked to him, but I would not be surprised if he went into a camp with the USL championship team and bet on himself to make the roster and be the last man on the roster even. And then like by the end of the season, he's playing in the middle of a back three somewhere. Like he's the kind of guy, like I watched, I watched San Antonio's playoff run, right? He seems like the kind of guy that would slot right into that team and, and, and push, you know, push the existing starters uh, for, for a chance to really make, to, to really solidify someone's back line. And, and I, I wish him the best. I hope, I hope he gets his opportunity. I hope he takes it. I hope he crushes it. Me too. Yeah. Love that guy. And I'll miss him a lot. Um, Man, Kevin Gonzalez. So yeah, we've now we've yeah. now got through. Those are Brett Jones, Alec Reddington, Tate Robertson, and Nick Spielman. We're all here for multiple seasons. Um, I don't love anybody anymore or any less, but I've got more of a relationship in a lot of ways with those guys because um, they've been around a while. But this is this guy, Kevin Gonzalez, is a guy who from day fucking one knew what it meant to play for Chattanooga Football Club. Understood what it meant to be a member of the community that represented the club, represented the community. He understood that it was more than just like, I play high level professional soccer or high level amateur soccer and like whatever he was constantly. And and I'll explain why I say that. Like if you saw him after a game and we lost, he, and this was, this is not like, I believe that you, you mourn your losses together and you celebrate your wins together as a team and as a community. And he, after the games that things happened, if, if if the game went poorly or he felt like he played poorly, he would go around apologizing. Yeah. Which, by the way, you don't need to do. It's not necessary. But he would go around because that's just the guy he is, and he'd be like, hey, man, this was a tough one. I'm sorry. Or, hey, I shouldn't have X, Y, or Z, or I should have got. And he didn't need to. He's telling everybody. Just, like, really, really took, like, the I'm a member of this community and people love me and rely on me and look up to me to... I don't want to say another level because there are other guys like that, but there's not many Yeah, that did it like he did it. And he understood from day fucking one that he was a leader on the team on and off the field and that a lot of fans looked up to him. I mean, he was one of the older players, right, at 29. Certainly not the oldest, but man, I, I will always respect how he did that. And I will always respect his propensity to look at a guy and act like he was going one way and then go behind either behind his back or switch sides or make some uh, guy run the wrong way as the (laughs) goalkeeper because they're like, there's no way he switches sides here and uh, make someone look real dumb or or look like he's going to fight the uh, forward, (laughs) which I will also I will also miss. I want to point out, uh, you know, Kevin got got engaged, I think, last last fall, maybe something like that. So he moved. I mean, I, I, you know, he he was at Oakland originally a couple of years ago, and then you know he comes out to comes out to, to stump down with Rod. Um, you know that that's his chance to you know gets a contract, so he goes, and then he takes another chance after getting engaged to come here, and and play for a season. And I I know it's hard to be. I mean, he's a Northern California guy, right? Like loves Oakland Bay Area, and I know it was hard to be away from home. Be away from his family, and that goes, by the way, for a lot of guys. Uh, most of these players are not from Chattanooga; they're not from this area. Uh, some of them eventually make it their home, but a lot of these guys are spending nine, ten months away from away from friends and family. And um, and I, I know it was super hard for Kevin. Uh, and man, 
best of best wishes. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton of uh, the one thing I will say is his big. Uh, which game did he have the giant double save in? Cal United. Home. Cal United home. So that game finishes one one. It could have finished. We've talked about it a lot. Could have finished one nothing us. Could have finished one nothing them. And he makes two huge saves, double save. That's probably the one like like moment that sticks out. And and the Michigan Stars um, playoff game, which we ended up losing here, the one on one save where he a kick save where he just stretches his foot out and saves it. Uh, and if that goes in, you know we're we're screwed way way earlier because that's earlier, right? Before they it's scored, first, it's first out. Um, so those are the two like moments on the field, but um, yeah. And also, we're just I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna brace everybody. We're not gonna find a goalkeeper that good with their feet. <laughs> you might you might find a player uh, a goalkeeper that's good with their feet, but man, Kevin was something fucking special with his feet. Yeah. Uh, Frankie Martinez. Man, I'll let you start this one. Talk about a guy that is seemingly perfect for for the the Robin Hood system. Are you talking about how good looking he is? Because he's a pretty boy. Like, he is... I mean, he can pass the ball for fun, right? And uh, was was just so good at being able to, like, you know, receive the ball, great first touch, and then, like, survey the field and decide... Do I, need to, do I need to pass this? Do, Are we keeping possession? And Can d- we pass with penetration? Do I need to dribble and take space? And he didn't care who was running at him, who was like doing what. He'd always calm. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. It's just... I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss him a lot. I think that's a that's obviously a big loss. I mean, a starting center back uh, is, is, is going to be... I mean, and, and this is two center backs now that are on this list. There's a lot of... Man, I, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm having trouble like really putting into context. Like we don't know, we don't know like what, what the deal is with the contract. We don't know, you know, there, there are players on the, on this list that we don't know what is going on and we're not going to know, but we know he's gone, but we know he's gone. And I will, I will say on the field, it, he is going to be extremely hard to replace yeah. um, because of how well he fit Rod Underwood's style. Um, he was the only true center back that w- in the starting lineup when Colin Stripling and him started, and Richard Dixon is a right back, right? So he was yeah. the only true center back. Um, and it could be argued that he was the only true defender starting when you had Travis Ward at left back, Tate Robertson, who's a midfielder slash right back, at right back, and Colin Stripling at right back, uh, right center back. Yeah. Um, his two-footedness, his ability to pass. He was two, assi- two assists from center back position. One of which was from the top of the 18, <laughs> not on a corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we will, we will really struggle, I think, to replace his offense on the field. I, there are plenty of defenders who are just as good or even better defenders, and he yeah. was a decent defender. But man, was he good offensively, and he provided. You think about the the assist to Taylor over the top, or the assist to Brett Jones. We just talked about those, and those are only a couple. He had many where, he, like you talked about, he dribbled up, or he made a great pass, or he kept the ball moving, or he led a guy with a pass. I mean, he was just. So good. He was very much that he was the deep lying playmaker that yes. Richard Dixon is not. Like Richard Correct. Dixon, we talked about it a lot this year, was very, very, very good. And and much better offensively than I think either he, you or I expected him to be. Mm-hmm. But Frankie was truly that, like, and, and pardon this like sacrilege, but truly that Andrea Pirlo. Like w- if somebody has to play a long ball or dictate the pace of the game, yeah. it was Frankie more often. It was than not. most often it was Frankie, um, and that didn't mean that Ian Saro didn't do a lot of good stuff or that Alex McGrath didn't do a lot of good stuff. But Frankie had such a emphasis in this system with the ball that it's going to look different no matter what happens, no matter how many 
you know, players we sign, even if they're upgrades, quote unquote, on guys, depending, uh, it's going to look different just because Frankie's not there. Yeah, I agree. And also, what a good looking guy. I know I mentioned that already, <laughs> but um, I, I loved his giant smile, bobbing hair, fist bump celebration when any anything happened. It was the same celebration. And if anybody doesn't remember it, if you remember after the Syracuse kerfuffle and he was all upset, that look of him shaking his arms and and yeah, like yelling about like, you know, this is our house or whatever, that's the same attitude that he had anytime he celebrated. And I will miss I will miss that a lot. Greg Stratton. Greg probably has two of the of uh, maybe the more iconic moments from the season. Uh, there was uh, Syracuse game number two at home. Uh, the the corner kick where where Ian's Ian and uh, and Alex do the little thing, the little tap routine. And ball gets played out to Richard Dixon, who one times it back into Alex McGrath, who crosses it, uh, just kind of centers it for for Greg Stratton in the conversation for our goal of the year. Yeah, and he also has the like picks the ball up from left back and just dribbles because no one's going to stop him. Beats a couple guys. No, he goes. I'm a winger and <laughs> dribbled in and scored an absolute banger in the postage stamp. You hater! And it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's also one of the one of the iconic goals of the season. It is. And, uh, yeah, he scored, he scored the op, the opposite type, but two bangers, <laughs> a, tap the in, opposite type. a tap in banger, which is hard and a fantastic dribble, nutmeg, little Maisie, little Maisie run. Yeah. Uh, two of the, two of the most iconic goals of the season. Yeah. Also, uh, I discovered mid season that he was, not actually left-footed. Uh, I also discovered around the same time that Frankie Martinez wasn't actually left-footed, which blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And shout out Papa Stratton for being at almost every tailgate and most of the away games. Uh, he he attended a lot of games that we did as well, and yeah. uh, including away games. And it's you know big ups and big respect to anyone who who's willing to do the traveling because it's it's a lot. It's tough and it's fun, but it's also it's a lot. So. Hell yeah, good luck, Greg, and whatever comes next. Uh, one of the youngest players uh, on this list that's yeah. moving on. Yeah, first we year, his, first year pro, first year pro, and so I expect he'll pop up somewhere else. Um, I, it's not that I think the other guys won't, but like when I'm thinking about guys that could call it quits, right? Guys can call it quits every year. I mean, we going back and listening to our podcast from last year, we had four guys who retired or three guys who retired uh, midseason, and so th- I don't. I I do not know. I have no inside information here, but I would guess that Greg's out there looking for that next contract. Yeah, and and I hope he uh, hope he finds it. Ian Saro, man, if there is, if you look at this list of eleven, and and you're looking at, you know, you're looking at players uh, that played a lot of minutes, that performed well, and you're like, man, I want to see that guy. I, I, you know, it would suck not to see that guy back. Basically, I think this guy is is one of one of those kind of main guys where you're like, oh, that's interesting. I think the word you're looking for is surprising. Maybe, um, yeah. And and obviously, we're not like putting a bunch of judgment on each one of these guys whether we thought they were going to be back or not. But this is one of those where you're like, excuse me, yeah, Ian, 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 Saro, yeah, Don? Um, don't have information there. I would guess that he's got a contract at another club. He's going to turn up. Um, he was too good this year. He played too many minutes. 
and he, his his rocket he's kind of on a bit of a rocket ship right he went from the npsl to the bottom rungs of nisa to the top rungs of nisa it makes sense that uh he's 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 gonna pop up he's somewhere. moving up somewhere and you know listen first of all what a nice unassuming guy that first picture he just looks i'm not saying he's truly like the sweetest guy because i don't know i don't actually know ian Cero very well so like he might be like you know a, got an edge to him or whatever else but in this picture he looks like the sweetest guy who would help <laughs> your grandma across the street immediately um the go- so a, a few key moments for ian Cero. Um, first of all, I remember him in possession in general and how much fun it was. I remember Greenville away was the first time that I got to see him like just dropping deep and picking up the ball and keeping it moving. And I was like, wow, like this is terrifying <laughs> because I wasn't used to possession soccer yet. Yeah. But he was dropping deep and keeping the ball and keeping it moving in a way that was extremely evident from minute one in Greenville. And then his Cal United goal away at Cal United. Oh my gosh. Um, that's probably there's three main moments, but that was one of the best moments of the season, to be honest, going up one nothing. And just the way it happened that we were on the trip, that they came over and celebrated with us, like it was just so, so, so special. Yeah. I, I think about the uh, uh the way and, and like, you know, Memphis in, in the Memphis Open Cup game, we were we were defending for large stretches of that game. Uh Memphis was was having the possession, we were kind of letting them have the possession. Because we are, we got up so early by you know that first minute goal, but Ciro's, uh he only gets credit for one assist and and, and one hockey assist. Uh, but like the but passes, in our hearts he has two. Yeah, the the passes for the, the passes in that in in that Memphis game, you know, the assist for Taylor Gray, uh, and then the the hockey assist that he gets for the ball, the great ball from that from one of those free kicks. The Nick Spielman. The Nick Spielman that, goes that to... was saved by the keeper and rebounded by Travis Ward. Just the way when when Ian when Ian Sarah was on, he could pick a pass, and I mean like a deadly pass. Yeah, and it was it was so incredible to watch. One of the rarest, and and you don't you don't see that a lot in lower division soccer, especially in the third division. I was gonna say in soccer in general, guys that are able to create something extremely dangerous from nothing like a recycled ball that's just coming back around, being recycled around the top, and then they pick it up and they play an extremely dangerous pass. There's not that many of them. Yeah. It's not. It's very uncommon, and it's even more common at this level. I, I could not agree more. I mean, he was... And what he did against Memphis yeah. is probably, assuming he pops up in, like, USL Championship or something, that would be the most likely thing, I think, um, if he's making a step up. If he pops up there, that Memphis game is probably a big piece of it. Oh, yeah. Because he, he eviscerated Memphis in a lot of ways by himself, by creating... Two giant chances, and there there was a third one in the second half as well. Uh, that that he just put over the bar. Yeah, he, and look, Ian, uh, Ian is a very very like small statured, like not a physically demanding player. So maybe you don't see him and go like, Reminds oh my you, god, that guy's an athletic freak. But then when you see him on the ball, you do have a little bit of that reaction, like, ooh, look how smooth he is. Look how. Tidy is. Look it, how good it, re- he is. it reminds you of another left-footed diminutive Argentine. I need you to calm down. You might have just won a World Cup. <laughs> I need you to calm down. Uh, you need by to, the way, you need I- to not Cero's disrespect having, Ian Cero Ian by putting having, some, having, some guy from Argentina in his uh, in his shadow. I think he's having a pretty good week. What do you think, Ian Cero? Yeah, he's probably been drunk since they won, and he has not <laughs> continued. Is not stopped drinking. I don't even. By the way, I don't even know if Ian drinks heavily, but I bet he's been drunk since then. I think the entire country is happy drunk and has been happy drunk uh, and Ian Sarah will be included in that. Shoot, he might be in Argentina right now. <laughs> <laughs> I 
She might have jumped on a plane and flown straight down to Argentina, and I'm not even kidding. Um, I mean, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would. All right, Matthew. You take this one as as I know Chris Bermuda has a special place in your heart. Yeah, man. Oh, gosh. Uh, Chris Bermuda is... Actually, just... So, I, I, I it was early in the season. I don't remember exactly what game. Was it Bobcats? Was it Memphis? Uh, somewhere around the early stages... Uh, we're at we're at a, the bar after a game, and uh, and and Travis Ward's at the bar. We're talking for a second. He's like, "Hey, like by the way, like this this is my friend Chris. Uh, we were we played together in 2019 at Greenville. Like he's on trial." I was like, "Oh, cool, man. Like nice to meet you." Like I gave him a beer token because, and he was like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm I'm on trial. Like I'm not I'm not drinking." Uh, and I was like, "Cool, no no, no worries." And. Um, you know, he he was just he was there, and he was just like, I'm at, I'm I'm just gonna work hard and like, you know, hope for the best, hope hope to show up for the coaches. And and then I eventually figure I was like, oh shit, it's Chris Bermudez, uh, who had played at New Amsterdam the year before. I thought had a really good season for New Amsterdam uh, until he got hurt. Uh, he had some injury issues. It's one of the reasons why he he was on trial with us, and he didn't have a contract anywhere because he because he was hurt. And. Uh, fascinating player like you know had a great breakout season for greenville after a couple years in mexico you know was bought by rail rail monarchs uh the the usl championship team at the time of rail salt lake and mls uh didn't you know covid didn't quite work out for him there you know bounced around trying to figure out he's still apparently still going to bounce around a little bit uh as he as he comes back from injury i think i think this player is, is is something special and can and can get back to to what he was bought for literal money. Yeah, he's one of the first players uh, in bought, yeah. minor, in lower division soccer to be in, in the U.S. to be bought for money. Uh, so first of all, Chris Bermudez's teeth are what veneers are normally based off of. <laughs> that man has a perfect smile. Um, I mean, I think about think about the position he played this year. Like he played sometimes as the right winger slash right sided ten. He's played bit. at left back. He's played at one of the one of the two tens uh, slash two two eights. Uh, at, at times, I mean, the wild thing is mostly he was playing behind Ian Sero and Alex McGrath. Yeah, and you know we talked about how good Ian Sero was this year. That's most of the reason I think you could say that Chris Bermudez didn't play very much. Yeah, um, I don't know all of the ins and outs, and like I mean, he may have had some more injury and whatever else, more injury things or whatever else, because he was coming back off a broken foot. Um, but like he he ha- is a very talented player, and I would be surprised if he as well does not pop back up somewhere else. Yeah, someone um, someone will. Take a, take a chance on him. And by the way, if you want a little prediction from me, um, these guys are the guys that are gone, right? But if if somebody like a Chris Bermudez, for example, doesn't find his way into a camp that he wants to be into, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but you could also see him, kind of like when Marcus didn't get his option renewed and we said goodbye to Marcus last year, yeah, and then he popped back up in camp with us, Chris Bermudez is the guy I think could pop back up in camp with us. That's a, that's a, that's a, bold, that's a bold little prediction it is, there. It is, it is. Sometimes very specific predictions are fun. I will also say he was, a, he was one of the nicest guys, and they're all, like, all the guys have been cool on the podcast, but he was just so nice and so genuine and so just like, I don't know, just great. And I, I, I really, I went from like not really like having a connection to him, just like I, I would see him occasionally, but not really have a connection to him to feeling like really like, like I saw him at HPC right before right after the season ended. And like, it was like, I don't know, it's like seeing an old friend. Like it was just yeah. really, really, really good guy. Um, I didn't know he was a penalty kick assassin, uh, oh. which I found out during the Charlotte game, which was fun. Um, and also the one other thing, oh, uh, two other things. Um, he, well, he was a trialist. His, I think I've told, I might've told this story in the podcast, but his car broke down. 
Um, and mm. Alec Reddington had my number. And Alec's not from here, so he doesn't know a ton of people here. So he called me, and he was like, hey, man, do you have jumper cables? And I was like, yeah, I do. So I drove all the way across town. This is before Chris had signed. And I jumped <laughs> his car off so that he could drive it to a mechanic because it was dead battery and get the battery fixed. Um, so that was me meeting Chris, which was just a fun way to re- meet Chris. <laughs> and I think it was might have been a little bit of a shock for him because um, I was like, oh, yeah, you're, you're Chris Bermudez. You played at. And he was like, what? Like, he was very surprised that I knew who he was. Um and then the other, the it, other, it, it, it is not, it is not that. Uh, we find out who's on trial. Uh, it you sometimes takes a while. But we we, we figured out. We figured I mean, to be honest, eventually. he was on trial for several weeks before we yes, figured it out. Yes, and that's our fault. And we need to be better. Um, <laughs> but I think I also will. The one like piece that I will always remember is like Chris has really nice, tight, close control, and like just the way he looks on the ball aesthetically when he's when it's being passed to him, and the way he like handles the ball. Man, it's pretty and it's fun and. I will I will follow his career with interest because I don't believe he's done. Yeah. Same. Luke Ferreira. Oh man, Luke Ferrari. The hands down best sorry everybody else, but hands down best swaggiest most fun nickname Luke Ferrari. Speaking of Which Luke, by the way, we didn't do. We didn't yeah, do Kevin Gonzalez and the other whoever else, but like Kevin Gonzalez told us his name is Luke Ferrari. And once you hear that between it's the tats done. and the dyed hair, he is Luke Ferrari. Uh, also, I saw after the season was over, he went back to Brazil, and uh, <laughs> and went to went to the Sao Paulo Grand Prix for the Formula One. Luke, Luke Ferrari, Ferrari was watching was watching Ferrari at a at I think he's actually a Mercedes guy. I don't know. I don't know for certain. No, he probably likes winning, so he's probably definitely a, a Ferrari guy, a Mercedes <laughs> guy. Excuse me. Um, so Luke Ferrari had look. He didn't play a ton. He had the assist of the season. Exactly. That's where I was going. It, it is easy to pick out when you're going to prepare this episode and, and thinking about. What do you want to talk about, and what do we want to remember him by? That goal. So if we did a goal special again, and maybe we will in a year or two when we have another you know ton of goals on uh, that we want to do, that goal will be in that goal special. Yep. That there will not be twenty more goals that top that goal. I mean, God, I hope there are, there are, but there won't be. No. That was such an unbelievable assist. The control to bring it down, the the confidence to go one way, take both defenders with you, the back heel, perfectly in time. It's the assist of the season. It was arguably the goal of the season, and I think our friends at, at the other podcast did give it the goal of the season. So, man, yeah, that goal is the moment, and the rest of the season kind of doesn't matter because <laughs> it was so good. We'll, we'll always have that. But I will, I will also say he murdered the Charlotte goalkeeper who Matthew has confirmed was a child, and that was child abuse. Yeah. The, what, what he did to him and made him fly and flop and miss that ball to, and then commit a penalty was child abuse. Yeah. Love it. Roddy Green. Man. Uh, if if we go back to a year ago, Detroit's going to the championship. They're, pay, they're taking some of their players with them, but they're not taking some players. The USL championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a real championship. Of course. Uh, and and like you look at a guy like Roddy, who didn't get a ton of time for them, and you're like, man, this guy, this guy might make like really good sense for us uh, to pick up. Like he's proven winner on a, on a good team, was often used uh, for for you know cleaning up games at the end. Great work rate. Um, under understood what what the job was. Understood how to get the job done. And. Uh, and 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 obviously you survive at Detroit for a long time. Like you, you probably have the your head on straight. Uh, the right kind of culture guy to, to fit. 
what we're trying to do here uh, and, and how it, it's a team sport, not an individual sport. And I think Roddy exemplified that in, in his time here. And, uh, you know, he didn't play, he didn't play a ton for us, um, especially not in, in, in like league and, and open cup, you know, big games. But when he did, uh, I think he played well. I, I think he, he did that same kind of thing. He closed out games for us. Uh, I think you've pointed this out multiple times that uh, we we were more settled. We were more comfortable closing out games with him on the field. Uh, and I think that's directly due to his experience at, at Detroit. And, you know, he's still he's still honestly fairly young. Uh, and I think he's got a career in front of him. And I, I think he needs to I think he needs to be someplace where he can play regularly. And, uh, and, and this is actually publicly available information. So like, go ahead and just say it here. But if you look at, um, if you look at some, some tweets from, from gold star football club, uh, coming in the NISA next year, you can see Roddy green at, uh, I think they held, held like some sort of like, you know, event at some, some brew, brew pub, something in, uh, in, in Livonia, Michigan, and and not only can you see Roddy Green uh, in the front row of one of those pictures, you can actually see our friend of the podcast, Joe Novak. <laughs> I don't know about friend of the podcast. I don't know if he'd like that, but friend of ours, yeah, for friend sure. of friend of ours at least. Uh, who, who's also offered offered to, to house us when we uh, when we go up for the Gold Star Games? Absolutely. And, that, so, that and and by the way, like I'm not saying I'm not saying that that Roddy is is, is like is signed with, with with Gold Star. We don't understand how all that kind of crap works. But seeing him in those photos, putting would, two and two together, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he plays for Gold Star. Like it's Me gonna too. be, cl- it's gonna be close to home. He, um, he, he may be able to live at home. His his parents like pretty he, routinely traveled, and like uh, they did to to come see him. And we uh, talk- and that's a long and that's a long trip. So like I wouldn't be shocked. And we talked about Kevin Gonzalez and other guys who who had like family at home or, or significant others. He's got a longtime girlfriend, maybe fiance. I think something. Um, I you know I see them on 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 social media together. And unless something's changed, like I would imagine he wants to get home to her. So it, it would make sense that he would go to Gold Star. Yeah. And honestly, like I would take Roddy back in a heartbeat, yeah. um, especially in the role that he occupied for us because I thought he was crucial in closing out games for us. But I could also understand if I mean, like, if he wants, he wants to go play, wants to go play, and I you know and play I, close to home and like I, I wish respect that I wish him well. I have I have nothing but positive things to say about Roddy. He was great on the podcast. He was always great when I saw him. He was solid on the field. Like just yeah. Just the the kind of glue guys you need, which is why, you know And I, and I think and I think his his season goes differently if he doesn't get that concussion in the first game. Yeah. A hundred percent. And let's not let's not forget he had some good moments, right? Goal against Flower City. Yep. Very, very fun. That he, that he, earned, they, him, that he earned himself. Where they called him Juan Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the goal against Charlotte, uh, which was a beautifully worked, very rod goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, also scored against Metro Louisville uh, in, in that game. Well, he proved he could score. Um, he just had a guy like Marcus ahead of him. Yeah. We're just being really blunt about it. Like, when you have the best player in Nisa last year ahead of you, you're going to struggle to get minutes. Yeah. And you're going to struggle to score goals. So, well, Matthew, that is... Everything. So again, one more time, by the time you've listened to this, there's a good chance you have more information than we have. It's why we're not speculating about anybody not listed here. Um, but we will talk about those guys um, that are coming back or who are not uh, if we get more clarifications on any of this in the future. Um, very excited for Atlanta United. Buy your season pass. Uh, little Birdie told me sales are 
off to a very, very good start. And that means you might not get your favorite seat. So grab that season pass. Yeah. Um, start getting ready. The season starts earlier than ever before. It's going to be a short and excellent offseason. In fact, there's two drums sitting by my feet that I might not even take to the storage thing now that it's <laughs> five weeks away instead of like 10 weeks away. Um, but Matthew, anything left? Yeah, just just uh, to note that if you are, are hoping for a little roster baiting from us, you'll have to wait a little bit. Um, we'll probably... Uh, I, th- I think we're going to get some more you know, maybe some more players tomorrow, uh, maybe some more players the, the day, Friday before Christmas, maybe something on Christmas Eve, and and probably probably more the next week, heading into the New Year's. I would like some on Christmas. Yeah, as that, a Christmas, a present, Christmas present, that'd be fun. Uh, so, but like, I'm asking, I realize I'm asking Darrell and, and the staff to work on Christmas, and it's not <laughs> fair, and they should not listen to me, but, you know, Christmas. So we'll, we'll get we'll get some more players, and, and hopefully by closer to, to, to New Year's, we can do... Um, a little bit of like a where we are now um, uh, point. And uh, yeah, and, and we'll just see. We've also got the New Year's resolutions pod that we've got to, we've got to do coming up here soon. Uh, spoiler alert, we are very, very close to achieving one of our New Year's resolutions for the podcast. Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, I will also re- repeat one more time for everybody who was on the team this year. If you're listening to this, thank you. Yep. You are a forever a part of our story. You are forever a part of this community. Once a blue, always a blue is not to be taken lightly, and it is not something we that we just say. So I hope to see all of the guys that have left back in the stands someday at some point, maybe back on the field someday. Who knows? But you guys are forever a part of our of our of our story of our history, and we are forever grateful to have you as a as part of our community. Yeah. Best of luck if you if you play and. League One, MLS Next Pro Championship, MLS, or even if it's in NISA against us, we still well, uh, unless you play against us. Well, for ninety minutes, we'll then we'll, may you we'll wish. Then may you have bad finishing luck. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs>